is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. We're doing a series on the power of the neighborhood church, and we're getting to talk with some of the best of the best on this topic, Leslie, and today is no exception. Sure not, and it's not this person's first appearance on the podcast, if you will. He was with us live at the Church for the Rest of Us conference last year. He was, and that was a, that was kind of a fun conversation because we were we were, remember Jay, we were doing the podcast, and it was like everybody was talking, and we were just doing it anyways. I don't know. I yeah, thought it was kind of like fun. I was a youth pastor again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're speaking, and nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah, I felt That's like exactly just right. Yeah, I felt like going home. Well, I want to go home. All right. So, uh, anyways, Jay Strother, uh, my friend for many many years, and um, he is the pastor at the Church of Station Hill in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And Jay is a part of the Brentwood Baptist Church family of churches. He's one of the key leaders in that network and also an influential speaker, writer, thinker, strategist, an incredible preacher. And boy, I'm just glad, Jay, that you're on here. But you did get to come to our conference. And before we jump into our conversation, I wonder if you just share a little bit about why your team came to our conference last year. And I'd just love to hear kind of your experience real quick. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is your heartbeat is ours to uh, fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples. And that starts right in our Jerusalem and Judea, like right where God's planted us. And so what I love about the conference that you guys do is it's one day. It's no fluff. It is a lot of dialogue back and forth. Let's learn from each other. Topics, breakouts, everything's super practical, but it gives us a great picture into what God's doing there in South Florida and lots of principles that we could take home as a team and apply. Yeah, we had a great time interacting with your team. In fact, we're looking forward to being with your team. We're going to have a little get together before too long, and we're going to learn quite a lot from the folks at Brentwood. Anybody who hears about this, you want to register for our conference, it's in March. You can register at churchfortherestofus.com. Now, let's get into what we came to talk about. So, Pastor Jay, how about you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about your family, your ministry, and what you do there at your church. Yeah, absolutely. So married to Tanya for 25 years next week. And so praise God for that. I have a beautiful wife. We have five beautiful kids, three daughters, biologically 22, 19, 16. And then we adopted a son from Nepal. He's now 14. And then a little beautiful girl through foster care who's five. So we have two in college, two in private school and a kindergartner. Did not plan to be paying two private school tuitions and two college tuitions at the same time, but here we find ourselves. So the Lord provides, but uh, things are always fun at home. We're just trying to live it out like everybody else, but uh, we are blessed. And our family is actually an integral part of our church story. Uh, God called us to Brentwood in 2001, where I was a student minister, uh, became the next-gen minister, working with families and, and all of our generations. I was a teaching pastor there. But when we moved to Middle Tennessee to the Nashville area, we could not afford to live in Brentwood or Franklin on a youth minister's salary. So we bought a house in this little suburban community called Spring Hill. Had about 3,500 people in the city limits at the time. But to make a long story short, 21 years later, there are 56,000 people in our community. So God planted us exactly where he needed us to be. And so we loved our church at Brentwood and we would invite our neighbors to come with us to church. It's too far. It's too big. And quite frankly, for some of them, it's just too Brentwood. It's a different community. It's a different socioeconomic band that exists in that community. And so my wife, 
who just always keeps it real, does such a great job of being practical, right? We were talking about I'm book smart, as you can see behind me. Uh, she's street smart. Uh, she just intuitively starts ministering to ladies in our neighborhood, having families over for dinner, started a ladies Bible study. We jokingly called it the Desperate Housewives Bible study. This was the middle 2000s. Yeah. That show was popular then. But these women didn't know Jesus, but were very interested in him and the Bible. And so all of a sudden, God began to turn our heart towards our own neighborhood. We were having a hard time getting them to come to church with us 30 minutes north. And so God used that and about 50 other families who were feeling the same thing to say, what would happen if we bring the church to our neighborhood? What would happen if we bring this church we love to the Spring Hill Thompson Station community? Hence the name, the church at Station Hill. At the same time, at Brentwood, we had been blessed. Excellent leadership, incredible growth, had moved to a new campus right off the interstate in 2002. I went through a 40-year building program in eight years trying to figure out how do we reach people and be faithful without building astronomically expensive buildings. And, you know, and so this idea of a multi-site network began to come into focus for us. And so God brought all those streams together in this river that became our multiplication strategy. Part of that was to launch our first campus. Now we didn't do it like the Brentwood campus initially. We met in a middle school cafeteria with uh, sticky floors and gum under the seats and all those things. But what was really exciting was those first 50 families really had the DNA of the church in them and were willing to kind of, you know, forego the big building and the big programs to, to make that DNA come alive in our own community. And it's been a fun journey ever since. Well, Jay, tell us a little bit about your role there. So you have, you're the pastor of the church at Station Hill. You founded that church, but you also have a role with the larger family of churches. And I just want everyone to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So Station Hill got traction. Three years later, we launched three campuses in one year. So that was a big year for us. And that we launched a campus and we revitalized two churches that became campuses. So we've done a little bit of everything. And then eventually we've added a few more. So we're at eight campuses total. So what we began to realize a few years ago was we needed to get our organization up to speed with our model. And so everything in our organization kind of pivots back towards an executive pastor kind of role, who's the gatekeeper for unified budget, unified strategy, just overwhelming to imagine that any one person could handle all of that. So we restructured. So four of our campuses are in Metro Nashville. We call that the North region. Brentwood is of the size and influence that we treat it as a region. And then I oversee, in addition to the Church of Station Hill, two other campuses that are to the south of Nashville. So we call that the South Region. And so each region has a lead pastor and an executive pastor to oversee that collection of churches, to be sure that uh, my main role as a lead campus pastor is to shepherd the shepherds, is to be sure that I'm looking out for those pastors of those campuses and congregations, making sure I'm pouring into them and and developing them as leaders. My executive pastor handles all those details, the facilities, the budgets. Thank the Lord for those guys who are (laughs) gifted to do that. Very, very grateful. But by sharing that load, the guys who comprise that leadership structure overseeing the North, South, and Brentwood regions, we come together as an executive leadership team every Monday to pray, plan, prepare, you know, ponder all of those kind of things. And then we're able to take that back out to our regions during the week and put it into practice in our neighborhoods. That's so good, Jay. So tell us about your strategy that you use to reach your neighborhoods and kind of two-part question. One is, what is your strategy? And two, is it unique to each one of your locations or is it something that you do across the board? Yeah, great question. So our strategy, we call it DXD for Disciples Multiplying Disciples. Our goal is to engage every single member of our church as a participant, not as a spectator. We really feel like multi-site enables us to deploy more gifts 
more callings, more people engaged on the front lines of ministry. And so it kind of operates like a hybrid automobile, right? We have kind of the feel of a local community church, hence our naming convention. We are Brentwood Baptist Church together, but each campus has the name of the community. That's what we lead with. So we are the church at Station Hill for Thompson Station Spring Hill. We have the church at West Franklin, the church at Nolansville. Those are the three campuses I ever see. The subtitle is a regional campus of Brentwood Baptist Church. But we lead uh, with the campus identity, the community identity first, because we just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that local community. But part of the great thing we get to do is we all get to share good ideas and good strategy. So we've refined over the years in our larger church family, this thing we call disciples, multiplying disciples. We do that in four ways. We gather. We want to get people in groups. We want to equip them to have gospel conversations. We train them in the three circles strategy. Uh, We want them to go, right? We want them to go on mission in our community, in our region, nation, you know, uh, and to the ends of the earth. And so what's cool is that strategy provides a framework, but each campus has some freedom to contextualize that just like any missionary would into their own neighborhood. You know, a lot of people don't think about Nashville being diverse because everybody thinks white guys in country music, right? right. Uh, We're in Nash Vegas. And so while that may be kind of the national view, what some people don't realize, for instance, is that Nashville is a United Nations relocation city. So we have 91 people groups in Nashville. Uh, Our church multiplication minister actually is leading a charge. We call it the International Leadership Coalition to plant an indigenous church for all 91 of those people groups. We're in the 40s right now. Uh, So he's doing an incredible job. But that point being is, is that some of our campuses are embedded in inner city Nashville in a very ethnic type neighborhood. I'm in very, very suburban Spring Hill. Brentwood is the seventh most affluent zip code in the United States. So East Nashville, our Lachlan Springs campus is in a very historic neighborhood that is gentrified, home to a lot of creatives, artists, musician types, you know, price per square foot there higher than just about anywhere in the country because it's close to downtown Nashville and it's a hip and cool place to live. So even just that gives you a picture of the fact that if we tried to employ, you know, specific strategies in all those communities, they probably wouldn't work. But when we say, here's what the New Testament gives us in principles, that we're to gather for worship, right? To hear the word and to, to worship together. We're to be in small groups where disciples are made. We are to share the gospel with others, and we are to go and intentionally be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. All eight campus pastors can figure out how to do those things mm-hmm. within the context of their neighborhood church. Tell me a little bit, Jay, because a lot of the people that are listening, they appreciate what you're saying. They like hearing about family churches, multi-site strategy or whatever. But the truth is a lot of them are single site churches. Some of them are single staff pastors. What are some things that are happening at some of the neighborhood churches you're working with that would be unique to that neighborhood? Like give us some examples of, well, this church does this because their neighborhood is like that. Just so we can all kind of get a feel for what that incarnational approach looks like. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the easiest to think about in the the sense of the the going strategy. Each of our campuses, we challenge to have a mission partner in three realms, poverty, healthcare, and education. And so that looks vastly different in different parts of the city. So one of the things that we've been able to do, the Brentwood campus, because Nashville is also a medical community, a lot of the largest healthcare corporations in the world are headquartered in Brentwood. We have been able to purchase a mobile medical dental unit And then we're able to deploy that into some of these inner city communities 
with the doctors and the nurses and the staff in order to provide some pre-healthcare screening services, dental work, those kind of things. That's one example of where we can take that to different places. And it's really a big mobile evangelism tool because, as you know, when you meet people's needs, you know, it opens their hearts uh, to hear the gospel. Why would you guys do this? Why would you provide this for free? And so that's been incredible to see. Uh, one of our inner city campuses, I mentioned just a moment ago, English as a second language has been a tremendous, you know, ministry for them to be able to take that first step. And it's amazing how the word of mouth spreads. And when they learn you're providing free English classes, they come out in droves. And so uh, one quick story, there was a family, a diehard Islamic family who walked into the doors of a local Baptist church saying, sign me up. You know, I just don't know another ministry that gets people from different faiths, different backgrounds and traditions in the door the way a ministry like that does. And so that's a couple of examples. You know, there are many more of, of how it fits. And I think the key, right, is your pastoral heart is looking and being in the community, perceiving what the needs are there and then being able to, you know, come up with the ministries that fit the needs that God's already placed around you. It's the experiencing God principle. God's already at work. You know, you've got to get out there and perceive what he's doing so you can join him in it. Well, I love the story of how the multi-site concept at Brentwood was really launched because your family had a heart to reach your neighborhood. And now, you know, you have this incredibly strong neighborhood church there at Station Hill that probably is going to outlast you, you know, hopefully by many generations. And so I just think that that story, Leslie, of you know, a leader having a heart for that neighborhood, a person with a passion for that right. place. It's such an incredible story. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Jay, how you see that moving forward as you look ahead from where you are. And you mentioned you've done partnerships, you have, you know, yourself who had a passion for your place. I mean, what do you see in the future of this as far as expanding neighborhood churches? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things that God's doing. One is, you know, out of Station Hill, again, we were this pocket of people driving 30 minutes to church in Brentwood. And so within a few years, we begin to recognize, man, God's given us some gifted leaders. Where are some other people, you know, where there's some pockets of people. So between us and Murfreesboro, where Middle Tennessee State University is located, there's a, a new interstate called 840. And about halfway down that, we noticed there's some people coming from there. So long story short, about three and a half years ago, we launched out 40 of our members with a pastor to plant an autonomous church. It's just a church plant. That's not one of our campuses, but it's Station Hill people. They ended up merging with 40 people in a declining church. And that church is now running over 400 just yeah. three oh, years man, that's later. Awesome. And so it's so fun. So as a campus, right, that's out of the Brentwood campus. That's a granddaughter church that we were able to plant. Yeah. We're actually out of Station Hill going to start a campus in the community to our stop now in Columbia next year. Already have a launch team in place, already have a church down there that we are partnering with. And so Columbia, it's just our south as a historic city, but it's also now that county that it's in the fastest growing counties in Middle Tennessee. And so because of that, the Lord's just bringing his people. So the point is, is that, you know, right away, we wanted to keep that spark going of instead of just seeing how big we could build Station Hill. Can we plant other churches in Middle Tennessee? And sure enough, you know, the Lord has blessed us uh, to be able to do that. So the future for us is something that uh, it's it's kind of in its early days now. You guys are ahead of us on this one, but we, we're going to call it the Engaged Church Network. Our mission statement is engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anytime, anywhere with anybody. And so we're, our goal is to see 100 healthy churches in Middle Tennessee partnering together in the next five years 
We have eight campuses. We have about 25 churches currently that we're working with. So we're in the 30s somewhere, uh, but we want to build that thing out, not so that we can be like, oh, we've got this great big church network, but so that we can share great ideas and resources so we can learn from these pastors so that we can collaborate together. So when somebody moves to town and all of a sudden, you know, they move to a different neighborhood in Middle Tennessee, we can say, hey, we have a partner in that neighborhood too, a healthy local church. Because as you know, it's really about church health. You know, I tell people all the time, you don't have to try to grow something. If it's healthy, it will grow organically because God designed the church. Sure, it runs on organizational principles, but fundamentally it's an organism. It's the living body of Christ. And if it's healthy, just like your kids, right, Jimmy, I mean, you feed them, you know, you take care of them. You be sure they're relatively healthy. You can't stop those kids from growing. No. I have a 14-year-old who's about to eat me out of my house at yeah, home, right? Yeah. Uh, right now. And so they just grow. And so you don't have to contrive church growth. It happens organically when you have healthy neighborhood churches full of people who are engaged as participants in the kingdom and in disciple making. Now, Jay, you've embedded your life and you've birthed children, raised children, adopted children right there in the neighborhood where you've planted that church. Talk about what it means to you and to your family that this isn't just a place where dad works. This is our home. This is the outpost of Jesus that we're connected with in our hometown. I think one of the, the things the gospel teaches us to do, right, is to see both our churches, but our homes as partners in the gospel. Mm. So our homes are little gospel outposts in every neighborhood and subdivision that, that God has placed them, right? And our churches are where we congregate together, right, where the church gathered so we can then be the church scattered, you know, throughout the week. And so for us, again, the Lord rooted us, planted us in this community, and it's been fun to develop relationships over the years and then to, to see those relationships bear gospel fruit. Just a quick example, I was sitting at lunch yesterday with another one of our campus pastors and uh, it was a nice day, middle Tennessee, humidity finally a little lower. So we were sitting outside on the patio. Well, we were right by the front door. And as people were coming in and out, our conversation was interrupted about 20 times, (laughs) right? Because it was, Hey, I coached basketball with this guy. Oh, this guy was on my son's soccer team. You know, his son was on that team, you know, Oh, this is a guy, you know, who's from another church that, you know, I, I just break bread with and just pray with on a regular basis, you know? And so the guy was like, man, I didn't know I was eating with Mr. Spring Hill, you know, (laughs) and I want you to hear me say like, that's not hubris at all. That's like, that's just because I've lived in this community from the time it was 3,500 people to the time it's, you know, 56,000. And so over the years, you know, just investing relationally in youth sports, in the schools, you know, just people that you come into contact with that eventually provides pathways for gospel conversation and gospel fruit connectivity. And you can't replace that. I mean, it's John 114. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood is my favorite translation, you know, of that verse. And so the incarnational ministry of Jesus means that's a part of the calling on our lives is to be in the highways and byways, to be in the coffee shops and schools and clubs that are right here in our own local community. So Jay, I'm wondering if a pastor's listening to this and he feels like, here I am, I'm in this neighborhood, I'm not reaching my neighborhood. I mean, I'm not like Jay, I don't haven't lived there for you know, so many years. What's something that they could do to begin to re-engage with their neighborhood, you think? Yeah. I mean, there's part of me that says go old school and just start knocking on doors and getting to know your neighbors. But, but I would certainly say find ways to bless your community. You know, so many churches over the years have turned inward in their focus. 
and they're very focused on their little mini kingdom, so to speak. And so to be able to find ways, whatever your pathway is to get in the community, you know, again, having kids, youth coaching is sports was, was one of mine. I thought God was going to lead me to be a teacher and a coach. I grew up in Illinois. I thought I was being a bivocational guy, but I ended up in, in the local church full time instead. And so because of that, I had this skill set in coaching that I, I wasn't getting to scratch that itch. Well, guess what? Every community needs more of, right? Youth soccer coaches. I mean, and when you get to do that, you get to engage. Now I have to keep my competitive spirit in check, right? <laughs> when the ref makes a bad call or a parent, you know, is, isn't mm. happy about playing time. I don't think but the Scroggins know anything about that. That's tough. Sure yeah, they no, they're not a sports or competitive family. No. At all. That's tough. Um, but you know what I mean? You have to find those ways to get out there in the community and build networks and build relationships. Talk to other pastors. And that's one of the greatest things. You know, we were a young community. So about a dozen of us, different denominations, different backgrounds and traditions, but all who could agree on the gospel, we started to get together just to share and pray together. And that was invaluable. And not only that, it was such a surprise because let's be honest, you know, in a suburban community, there's a lot of church shopping that goes on. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody would come and say, hey, I'm checking you out from X and X church, I'd be like, oh, I know that pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And this look of horror almost came on their eyes like, wait, you guys you guys know each other. You actually like each other. You're not in competition with each other. No, instead you use those relationships to build strong, healthy communities. And and a matter of fact, I think it's better for church health because I would be able to say, Hey, don't come here until you leave there. Well, you need to go talk to this pastor. You need to, you know, those kind of things. So I, I think just the practical relationship building, you know, but getting out of the walls of your church, finding ways to do that, you know, whatever your thing is, there's a local pastor here who there's a big motorcycle club and he rides his bike, you know, with those guys. So whatever your affinity is, leverage that and get outside the walls of your church and, and build relationships and listen, you know, don't just, you know, preachers, we have a bad habit of always being the guys to talk, but put on your ears. You know, I had a coach, Jimmy, you said, God gave us two ears and one mouth. That was a hint, you know? <laughs> and so, and so if you, you do some listening and paying attention and asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, he's going to show you where the opportunities are. That's good. Yeah. I think that's so helpful. Jay, you already mentioned John one fourteen. I wonder if, are there any other sort of uh, Bible passages or stories that really stand out to you on this incarnational neighborhood idea that you would point us to as uh, the listeners to this conversation? Yeah. Our senior pastor, Michael Lynn at Brentwood Campus, his sermon he will be remembered for is his passion is Acts 13. He preaches a sermon from the very beginning of that called Running Members Off. And so, as you know, historically, Baptist churches run members off, but not for the right reasons. His argument is we need to run people off to the mission of the gospel. And if you'll remember at the beginning of Acts 13, you've got the elders there at the church at Antioch and they gather and in worship, they appoint Paul and Barnabas uh, to go on the first mission journey. And so he loves the simplicity of that, right? At verse one, they're in worship. Verse two, the spirit speaks. Verse three, verse four, they're gone. You know, and so that idea of deploying, not, you know, Paul and Barnabas were two of the best, you know, the encourager, the teacher, and the church was willing to launch them out in order to multiply the gospel. That was key for us, especially in the early days of our multiplication strategy. Well, one of the passages we've been focused on as well is Acts 14. Because one of the things that's really cool, if you read that passage carefully, is you'll see that Paul and Barnabas, man, you know, they've gone up to that Galatian region. They've gone all the way and they're almost back to Antioch. And it says they doubled back. They decided to go back to strengthen and encourage the churches. Mm. It says they appointed elders there. And, And then, of course, from Galatians and other texts in the New Testament, we know that they were wanting to be crystal clear about the gospel. So what our team's talked about a lot is, is that, you know, sometimes we try to get in the weeds too much. But if our focus is, man, we want to strengthen and encourage our neighborhood churches, 
We want to strengthen and encourage other like-minded gospel churches. We want to be sure they have godly leadership, and we want to be sure they're crystal clear on the gospel. Man, that's what Paul and Barnabas did. That's some hard work when you really peel into it. But when those things are in place, churches get healthy and things flourish. And of course, we know the gospel exploded all over that region of the world as a result of that. So that's kind of idea, kind of this movement for us is kind of doubling back, being sure that we've got churches that are rooted in the gospel. They have healthy leadership. We want to strengthen and encourage. And so that Acts 13, 14, I mean, just walk through the book of Acts and, and how the early church really grew. My favorite commentary on the book of Acts is 30 Years That Changed the World by the British pastor, Michael Green. Hmm. And just the title of that book makes my heart beat fast. You know, and you think about comparatively how much more we have in resources in the American church, how many more people we have to deploy. And yet we're not seeing the gospel explode the way the early church did. Why? I think sometimes because we're too beholden to a particular methodology or uh, we go the McChurch method. Again, part of the mistake, you know, neighborhood pastors make is I want to look like the church down the street or the mega church at the conference. I went and heard, no, know your identity, be confident in who you are as a church. You know, and as long as you're sound in those fundamentals, man, find what it is that God has put you there in that community to do. Well, I so appreciate that, Jay. And Jay, it really is a joy to just know you as a friend, as a leader, and to watch the way that God has blessed the leadership team there at Brentwood in the Nashville area. So to all of our listeners, I commend Jay Strother to you and his leadership. I commend uh, Brentwood Baptist Church and Mike Glenn, their senior pastor, to you. And if you want to see a church in action that is serious about Jesus and serious about the Bible and serious about reaching their neighborhoods in the Nashville area right there, Brentwood Baptist Church and the family of churches that they are connecting is just a fantastic, fantastic example. Thanks to everyone for listening today. And I hope that you are getting some great ideas about how to engage and maybe reinvigorate your call to your neighborhood through your neighborhood church. I do believe that the neighborhood church is God's plan to change our world. And I hope that all of us are doing our part to reach our neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. Anyhow, I'm Jimmy Scroggins. I'm signing off for my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and my friend, Pastor Jay Strother. This is Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.